section thirteen of expositions on the book of psalms volume two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by lawrence trask mount vernon ohio interfaceaudio.com expositions on the book of psalms volume two by saint augustine of hippo psalm thirty nine part three thirteen verse seven and now saith this idithan looking back on a certain vain show and looking up to a certain truth standing midway where he has something beyond him and something also behind him having below him the place from which he took his spring having above him that toward which he has stretched forth and now when i have overleaped some things which i have trampled many things under foot when i am no longer captivated by things temporal even now i am not perfect i have not yet apprehended for it is by hope that we are saved hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for but if we hope for that we see not then do we with patience wait for it therefore he says verse seven and now what wait i for is it not for the lord he is my expectation who hath given me all those things that i might despise them he will give unto me himself also even he who is above all and by whom all things were made and by whom i was made amongst all even he the lord is my expectation you see idithan brethren you see in what way he waiteth for him let no man therefore call himself perfect here he deceives and imposes upon himself he is beguiling himself he cannot have perfection here and what avails is that he should lose humility and now what wait i for is it not for the lord when it has arrived then it is no longer an object of expectation then that perfection will actually be now however how much ground soever idithan hath overleaped but he is waiting still and my substance is ever before thee already advancing already tending towards him and to some extent already beginning to be still he says my substance is ever before thee now that other substance is also before men you have gold silver slaves estates trees cattle servants these things are visible even to men there is a certain substance that is ever before thee and my substance is ever before thee fourteen verse eight deliver me from all my transgressions i have overleaped a great deal of ground a very great deal of ground already but if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us i have overleaped a great deal but still do i beat my breast and say forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors thou therefore art my expectation my end for christ is the end of the law unto righteousness unto every man that believeth from all mine offences 
not only from those that i may not relapse into those which i have already overleaped but from all without exception of those on account of which i now beat my breast and say forgive us our debts deliver me from all mine offences me being thus minded and holding fast what the apostle said as many of us be perfect let us be thus minded for the time that he said he was not already perfect he then immediately goes on and says as many of us be perfect let us be thus minded what is the meaning of as many of us be perfect let us be thus minded thou hadst already said not that i have already apprehended or am already perfect observe the order of the words but this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before i am pressing toward the prize of our high calling of god in christ jesus for this very reason he is not perfect that he is pressing toward the prize of the high calling of god which he hath not found as yet unto which he hath not as yet attained but if he is not perfect at present because he hath not as yet attained unto it which of us is perfect yet he goes on and says yet let as many of us be perfect be thus minded art thou then o apostle not perfect and are we perfect for this reason he is not perfect that he is pressing toward the prize of the high calling of god which he hath not found as yet unto which he hath not as yet attained but if he is not perfect at present because he hath not as yet attained unto it which of us is perfect yet he goes on and says yet let as many of us as be perfect be thus minded art thou then o apostle not perfect and are we perfect but hath it escaped you that he did just now call himself perfect for he does not say as many of you as are perfect be ye thus minded but as many of us as be perfect let us be thus minded after having said a little before not that i have already attained either am already perfect in no other way then can you be perfect in this life than by knowing that you cannot be perfect in this life this then will be your perfection so to have overleaped some things as to have still some point to which you are hastening on so as to have something remaining to which you will have to leap on when everything else has been passed by it is such faith as this that is secure for whoever thinks that he has already attained is exulting himself so as to be abased hereafter fifteen therefore because i am thus minded because i speak of myself as perfect and as not perfect at the same time not perfect indeed because i have not yet attained that which i desire perfect because i know the thing that is yet wanting to me therefore because i am thus minded because i despise worldly things because i refuse to take delight in perishable things because i am laughed to scorn by the covetous man boasting himself that he is prudent and laughing me to scorn as one out of my senses because i act thus because i pursue this course thou hast made me the reproach of the foolish thou hast so willed it that i should live among those and preach the truth among those who love vanity and i cannot but be a laughing-stock to them 
for we have been made a spectacle unto this world and unto angels and unto men to angels who praise to men who censure us or rather to angels some of whom praise some of whom are censuring us and to men also some of whom are praising and some censuring us we have arms on the right hand and on the left with which we wage war through honor and dishonor through evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true this we do in the sight of angels this in the sight of men because even among the angels there are holy angels to whom we give pleasure by living virtuously and there are transgressing angels to whom we give pleasure by living ill and among men also there are holy men to whom the life we live gives pleasure there are also very wicked men who mock at our good life but the one and the other are arms to us the one on the right hand and the other on the left arms however they are both of them both of these kind of arms both those on the right hand and those on the left both those who praise and those who censure both those who pay us honor and those who heap dishonor upon us with both these kinds i contend against the devil with both of these i smite him i defeat him with prosperity if i be not corrupted by it by adversity if i am not broken in spirit by it sixteen thou then hast made me the reproach of the foolish verse nine i became dumb and i opened not my mouth but it was to guard against the foolish man that i became dumb and opened not my mouth for to whom should i tell what is going on within me for i will hear what the lord god will speak in me for he will speak peace unto his people but there is no peace saith the lord to the wicked i was dumb and opened not my mouth because it is thou that madest me was this the reason that thou openedest not thy mouth because god made me that is strange for did not god make thy mouth that thou shouldest speak he that planteth the ear doth he not hear he that formed the eye doth he not see god hath given thee a mouth to speak with and dost thou say i was dumb and opened not my mouth because thou madest me or does the clause because thou madest me belong to the verse that follows because thou madest me verse 10 remove thy stroke away from me because it is thou that hast made me let it not be thy pleasure to destroy me utterly scourge so that i may be made better not so that i faint beat me so that i may be beaten out to a greater length and breadth not so that i may be ground to powder because thou hast made me remove thy stroke away from me by the heaviness of thy hand i fainted in corrections that is i fainted while thou wast correcting me and what is meant by correcting me except what follows verse eleven thou with rebukes hast chastened man for iniquity thou hast made my life to consume away like a spider there is much that is discerned by this idithan by every one who discerns as he does who overleaps as he does for he says that he has fainted in god's corrections and would fain have the stroke removed away from him 
because it is he who made him let him renew me who also made me let him who created me create me anew but yet brethren do we suppose that there was no cause for his fainting so that he wishes to be renewed to be created anew it is for iniquity saith he that thou hast chastened man all this my having fainted my being weak my crying out of the deep all of this is because of iniquity and in this thou hast not condemned but thou hast chastened me thou hast chastened man for sin hear this more plainly from another psalm it is good for me that thou hast afflicted me that i might learn thy righteousness i have been afflicted and at the same time it is good for me it is at once a punishment and an act of favor what hath he in store for us after punishment is over who inflicts punishment itself by way of favor for he it is of whom it was said i was brought low and he made me whole and it is good for me that thou hast afflicted me that i might learn thy righteousness thou chasteneth man for iniquity and that which is written thou formest my grief in teaching me could only be said unto god by one who was leaping beyond his fellows thou formest my grief in teaching me thou makest that is to say a lesson for me out of my sorrow it is thou that formest that very grief itself thou dost not leave it unformed but formest it and that grief that has been inflicted by thee when formed will be a lesson unto me that i may be set free by thee for the word finges is used in the sense of forming as it were moulding my grief not in the sense of feigning it in the same way that fingit is applied to the artist in the same sense that figulus is derived from finger thou therefore hast chastened man for iniquity i see myself in afflictions i see myself under punishment and i see no unrighteousness in thee if i therefore am under punishment and if there is no unrighteousness with thee it remains that thou must have been chastening man for iniquity eighteen and by what means hast thou chastened him tell us o idithan the manner of thy chastening tell us in what way thou hast been chastened and thou hast made my life consume like a spider this is the chastening what consumes away sooner than the spider i speak of the creature itself though what can be more liable to consume away than the spider's webs observe too how liable to decay is the creature itself do but set your finger lightly upon it and it is a ruin there is nothing at all more easily destroyed to such a state hast thou brought my life by chastening me because of iniquity when chastening makes us weak there is a kind of strength that would be a fault i perceive that some of you have already flown before me to my meaning and have already understood but those who are quicker of apprehension must not leave the slow behind that they may pursue the road of our discourse in company this is what i said this i would have you understand if it is the chastening of a just god that has produced this state of weakness there is a kind of strength that would be a fault it was by a kind of strength that man offended so as to require to be corrected by weakness 
for it was by a certain pride that he offended so as to require to be chastened by humility all proud persons call themselves strong men therefore have many come from the east and the west and have attained to sit down with abraham and isaac and jacob in the kingdom of heaven wherefore was it they so attained because they would not be strong what is meant by would not be strong they were afraid to presume of their own merits they did not go about to establish their own righteousness that they might submit themselves to the righteousness of god lastly at the time when the lord spake thus many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit down with abraham and isaac and jacob in the kingdom of heaven but the children of the kingdom i e the jews who were ignorant of the righteousness of god and went about to establish their own shall be cast into outer darkness call to mind the faith of one single person from among the gentiles the centurion who was so weak in confidence in himself so far from being a strong man as to say i am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof he was not worthy to receive christ in his house and he had already received him in his heart for that teacher of humility the son of man had in his breast already formed where he might lay his head to this speech of the centurions our lord alluded when he spake to them that followed him verily i say unto you i have not found so great faith in any in israel he found this man weak the israelites he found strong and so that he said referring to both they that are whole need not a physician but which are sick it is on account of this then that this on account of this humility that many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit down with abraham and isaac and jacob in the kingdom of heaven but the children of the kingdom shall go into outer darkness behold you are mortal and you bear about you a body of flesh that is corrupting away and ye shall fall like one of the princes ye shall die like men and shall fall like the devil what good does the remedial discipline of mortality do you the devil is proud as not having a mortal body as being an angel but as for you who have received a mortal body and to whom even this does no good so as to humble you by so great weakness you shall fall like one of the princes this then is the first grace of god's gift to bring us to the confession of our infirmity that whatever good we can do whatever ability we have we may be that in him that he that glorieth may glory in the lord when i am weak saith he then am i strong thou chastenest man for iniquity and thou makest my life to consume away even as a spider nineteen but surely every man living disquieteth himself in vain he returns to what he mentioned in a little before although he be improving here yet for all that every man living disquieteth himself in vain for as much as he lives in a state of uncertainty for who has any assurance even of his own goodness he is disquieted in vain let him cast upon the lord the burden of his care let him cast upon him whatever causes him anxiety let him sustain thee let him keep thee for on this earth what is there that is certain except death 
consider the whole sum of all the good or the ill of this life either those belonging to righteousness or those belonging to unrighteousness what is there that is certain here except death have you been advancing in goodness you know what you are today what you will be tomorrow you know not are you a sinner you know what you are today what you will be tomorrow you know not you hope for wealth it is uncertain whether it will fall to your lot you hope to have a wife it is uncertain whether you will obtain one or what sort of one you will obtain you hope for sons it is uncertain whether they will be born to you are they born it is uncertain whether they will live if they live it is uncertain whether they will grow up in virtue or whether they will fall away whichever way you turn all is uncertain death alone is certain art thou poor it is uncertain whether thou wilt grow rich art thou unlearned it is uncertain whether thou wilt become learned art thou in feeble health it is uncertain whether thou wilt regain thy strength art thou born it is certain that thou wilt die and in this certainty of death itself the day of thy death is uncertain amidst these uncertainties where death alone is certain well even of that hour is uncertain and while it alone is studiously guarded against though at the same time it is in no way to be escaped every man living disquieteth himself in vain twenty being now then in the act of passing by and leaving behind these things and dwelling now in the midst of some higher things than these and despising these things below in a position midway between both he says verse twelve hear my prayer o lord whereof shall i rejoice whereof should i groan i rejoice on account of what is past i groan longing for these which are not yet come hear my prayer and give ear unto my cry hold not thy peace at my tears for do i now no longer weep because i have already passed by have left behind so great things as these do i not weep much the more for he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow the more i long for what is not here do i not so much the more groan for it until it comes do i not so much the more weep until it comes do i not weep for it so much the more that scandals multiply the more that iniquity aboundeth the more that the love of many waxeth cold do i not say oh that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears hear my prayer and give ear unto my tears hold not thy peace from me let me not become deaf to all eternity hold not thy peace from me let me hear thy voice for god speaketh in secret he speaketh to many persons within their heart and loud is the sound heard there in the profound silence of the heart while a loud voice he saith i am thy salvation it is on account of this voice wherewith god saith unto the soul i am thy salvation that he prays god would not hold his peace from him hold not thou thy peace from me 21 for i am a sojourner with thee but with whom am i a sojourner when i was with the devil i was a sojourner but then i had a bad host and entertainer 
now however i am with thee but i am a sojourner still what is meant by a sojourner i am a sojourner in the place from which i am to remove not in the place where i am to dwell forever the place where i am to abide forever should be rather called my home in the place from which i am to remove i am a sojourner but yet it is with my god that i am a sojourner with whom i am hereafter to abide when i have reached my home but what home is that to which you are to remove from this estate of a sojourner recognize that home of which the apostle speaks we have an habitation of god and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens if this house is eternal in the heavens when we have come to it we shall not be sojourners any more for how should you be a sojourner in an eternal home but here where the master of the house is some day to say to you remove while you yourself know not when he will say it be thou in readiness and by longing for your eternal home you will be keeping yourself in readiness for it and be not angry with him because he gives thee notice to remove when he himself pleases for he made no covenant with thee nor did he bind himself by any engagement nor didst thou enter upon the tenancy of this house on a certain stipulation for a definite term thou art to quit when it is its master's pleasure for therefore is it that you now dwell there free of charge for i am a sojourner with thee and a stranger therefore it is there is my country it is there is my home I am a sojourner with thee and a stranger here too is understood with thee for many are strangers with the devil but they who have already believed and are faithful are it is true strangers as yet because they have not yet come to that country and to that home but still they are strangers with god for so long as we are in the body we are strangers from the lord and we desire whether we are strangers or abiding here we may be accepted with him i am a sojourner with thee and a stranger as all my fathers were if then i am as all my fathers were shall i say that i will not remove when they have removed am i to lodge here on other terms than those on which they lodged here also twenty two what then does it result from this that i ought to ask for seeing i am undoubtedly to remove from hence verse thirteen grant me some remission that i may be refreshed before i go hence consider well idithan consider what knots those are which thou wouldst have loosed unto thee that thou mightest be refreshed before thou goest hence for thou hast certain fever heats from which thou wouldst fain be refreshed and thou sayest that i may be refreshed and grant me a remission what should he remit or loosen unto thee save that difficulty under which and in consequence of which thou sayest forgive us our debts grant me a remission before i go hence and be no more set me free from my sins before i go hence that i may not go hence with my sins remit them unto me that i may be set rest in my conscience that it may be disburthened of its feverish anxiety the anxiety with which i am sorry for my sin 
grant me a remission that i may be refreshed before everything else before i go hence and be no more for if thou grantest me not a remission that i may be refreshed i shall go and be no more before i go thither where if i go i shall thenceforth be no more grant me a remission that i may be refreshed a question has suggested itself how he will be no more see he has not then departed to his rest a consummation which god avert from idithan for idithan will go will assuredly go to his rest but suppose some unrighteous person some one not an idithan not leaping beyond them some one laying up treasures here some one brooding over his possessions unjust proud a boaster puffed up a despiser of the poor man who lies before his door will not even he too be in existence what is meant then by be no more for if that dives was not in existence who is it that was tormented in the flame who is it who desired a drop of water from lazarus finger to be dropped upon his tongue who is that person who said father abraham send lazarus assuredly he was in existence to speak and to be tormented in the flame and to rise again against the last day and to be condemned with the devil to everlasting fire what is meant then by shall be no more unless edithan is alluding to what is true being and what is not true being for he was beholding with the mind with which he could do so with the mind's eye by which he was able to behold it that end which he had desired to have shown unto him saying lord make me to know mine end he was beholding the number of his days which truly is and he observed that all that is below in comparison of that true being has no true being for those things are permanent these are subject to change mortal and frail and the eternal suffering though full of corruption is for this very reason not to be ended that it might ever be being ended without end he alluded therefore to that realm of bliss to the happy country to the happy home where the saints are partakers of eternal life and of truth unchangeable and he feared to go where that is not where there is no true being longing to be there where being in the highest sense is it is on account of this contrast then while standing midway between them he says grant me a remission that i may be refreshed before i go hence and be no more for if thou grantest me not a remission of my sins i shall go from thee unto all eternity and from whom shall i go to all eternity from him who said i am he that am from him who said say unto the children of israel i am hath sent me unto you he then who goes from him in the contrary direction goes to non-existence twenty three therefore my brethren even if i have taxed severely the endurance of your bodies take it patiently because i too have had fatigue to endure and it is with truth i say that it is you yourselves that impose the fatigue upon yourselves for i should soon hold my peace did i perceive that you were weary of what is said by me end of section 13 
Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com.